0: the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man! Game over! Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all! So say we all! And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. Why didn't you tell me? You told me Vader betrayed and murdered my father.
1: Your father was seduced by the dark side of the Force. He ceased to be Anakin Skywalker and became Darth Vader. When that happened, the good man who was your father was destroyed. So what I told you was true, from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? Luke, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to... Depend greatly on our own point of view. Anakin was a good friend. When I first knew him, your father was already a great pilot. But I was amazed how strongly the Force was with him. I took it upon myself to train him as a Jedi. I thought that I could instruct him just as well as Yoda. I was wrong. There is still good in him. He's more machine now than man, twisted and evil. I can't do it, Ben. You cannot escape your destiny. You must face Darth Vader again.
0: Hi, everybody, and welcome once again to Geekfest Rants. My name is Carlos Perón. And just like you've heard on the opening clip the speech from Obi-Wan explaining to Luke that he described things to Luke about his father from a certain point of view uh, that is a a phrase that seems to resonate more and more lately in terms of people's opinions that everything you say it's just a different point of view and some people would contend that there are just different points of views there are no extreme or over the line You know, statements out there They're just different, equal points of view And that's something that we are going to explore here a little bit With the continuation of one of our previous episodes Which was episode 360 Rebel Force Radio Controversy Star Wars Toxic Fandom This is a subject that I decided to continue exploring a little further Because it goes to the core of what all this is about This show, many other shows, not all of them, but many other shows, you know, we live in this geeky, nerdy fanboy world, which is our happy place, if you will. You know, you have real life outside your window, and then you have your happy place when you go to these kind of things, your fandom, your movies, your television shows, all the things you enjoy, even your podcasts and your bloggers and, you know, the people that you admire that are not necessarily... You know, top of the line entertainment personalities, but through something like podcasting, it's a different animal altogether. There is a certain connection that you make with podcasting that you don't make with television, film, or even radio, I would say. Even though podcasting to a lot of people sounds a lot like radio, it's a little different. You do form you know fandoms of you know you admire certain actors, you admire certain directors and 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 their body of work. Same thing with television. You spend that amount of time and you will either love or hate or have no opinion on their art. Radio is also a little different because radio requires you to listen carefully. You can be a very passive listener. Listening requires a little more concentration, I think. But we have formed those kind of connections in different ways. Whether it's a morning talk show, a radio personality... Whether it's entertainment, comedy, or political, people have made these very tight-knit connections with these radio people. But like I said, that does require, you know, you to pay attention and sit still and listen. With podcasting, I think it becomes even more personal because you do have the ability to stop and go, stop and go, stop and go. Listen to your program at your own leisure, You know, it just didn't used to be that you would drive to work and whoever happens to be on the radio at that time, that's the person you listen to. And those connections get formed. Now you make the connection when you feel like making the connection. And I remember I used to listen to many other podcasts that have started and ended under their own, you know, time. And... There were certain connections that you would make. You would get to know whatever crew or person it was that was telling you a specific story or a specific subject. And I used to love all the personal stories that people would sometimes bring into, you know, the podcast. Even though the subject was something very geeky, every now and then something personal would kind of slip in and it would sound good. It would sound more realistic. But the personal stuff never distracted or turned you off you know, from the content of the show, which is something that's a little different now. Now what I'm finding is that the personal stuff is potentially turning me off from certain shows because you really don't connect with the personal material. And once that happens, once there's a riff, Between the people you admire, you know, they always say never, never meet your idols, never meet your heroes, because you're always going to be, you are most likely going to be disappointed. It's rare when you find somebody that you meet in person and they turn out to be exactly the person you imagine they were. What might end up happening at some point is that once you learn a little more about the individuals, it will cause a problem, you know, with your overall perception. Can we separate the art from the artist? Can we separate the artist from the individual? You know, do we have to live that kind of life where you can do and say whatever you want personally, but whatever you put on your canvas is the only thing that I'm concerned with. We do that all the time with personalities, television, film. You know, we look at their art and we really don't want to look at their personality and their personal lives because there's gonna be things we don't like And it's going to taint our view of that person. Now, granted, there are industries out there who live and die. Their entire money stream is made out of pointing out those differences. Pointing out the dirty laundry, if you will, of that particular individual, let's say. But in this particular case, you know, we have to kind of try to figure out, is this going to be part of the identity of the show? Or was this some kind of slip-up that is being corrected, but I don't know. Once again, I recommend that before you listen to this show, if you have the time or the interest, because the interest is the main thing here, listen to episode 360 and maybe even listen to episode 349, which is an episode we did about Star Wars Celebration Chicago and the beginning of what is now considered to be the toxic fandom phenomenon, specifically having to do with Star Wars. So there is a little more backstory there if you're willing to listen. So let's get started with, from a certain point of view, Rebel Force Radio controversy continued.
1: We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin direct via satellite from our on-the-spot task force. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Thank you, Bob. It's Mort. Mark, yes. Really I am Ted right Baxter, right and here is the news.
0: All right, I want to go over new information that I found on the internet regarding this whole Rebel Force radio uh, situation. One of my biggest criticisms that I have with the way that the situation was handled, this is, again, going back a few months, is that when they had their episode where they tried to clarify, it was most certainly not an apology, but they tried to clarify what had been happening during that time. To me, it seemed as if they were just pointing out how they are the ones uh, being attacked. In other words, you know, kind of like reversing the situation pointing out all the things that are that's bothering them and you know what they want in return to make the situation better there were no obvious replies i believe to most of the critical things that were being brought up at the time instead again as i mentioned before they felt or they expressed the feeling that them on behalf of fans. Now, which fans? Their fans? The RFR fans? Star Wars fans in general? Not exactly sure how the fans were being mistreated by representatives of Lucasfilm from as high up as Ryan Johnson's comments on, probably on Twitter or interviews or anything like that. But even more explicitly, Twitter messages from... Chuck Wendig, a novelist, Star Wars novelist, uh, comic book writer, also taking a similar approach at, depending on how you see it, attacking the fans or defending themselves from trolls. Obviously, the RFR crew, especially uh, Jimmy, are taking the approach of they're just attacking everyone, and they are very directly hurt by those comments that are being put on Twitter. So, the show concentrated mainly on that, on presenting that argument, presenting the proof, presenting your evidence of that, and also going as far as also asking, demanding that Lucasfilm kind of rein these people in, that, uh, you know, there should be some standards, some, especially through Disney, that there should be some kind of a, uh, a rule that, you know, if you're representing the brand, you shouldn't go out there and put out those kind of hateful words, depending on the individual. Again, Wendig is in a whole other level than Ryan Johnson, for example. But, again, it depends on how you read it. But, anyway, that's what that show kind of seemed to concentrate the most on. And a lot of the points that I made before that, about those Patreon comments they made, you know, about some of these other events that had taken place, that is the type of stuff that really did not... Address Uh, The whole uh, Andy Gutierrez thing that seems to have started this secondary wave of craziness. That kind of stuff just was not addressed very directly. And I know why now. I understand why. So as I'm trying to research this more and more, and I'm finding it very frustrating that there are no comments out there of... You know, their point of view directly on these particular subjects. It's almost like the direct problem is being ignored and they're coming back with, well, that's not the issue. The issue is this. They're putting forward their own set of grievances, if you will. Well, I was able to find, out of all places, inside the Rebel Force Radio website, there is a uh, forget, it. I think it was, it's like a news section So within their news section, as you scroll down, 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 you know, to older news articles, one of their news articles is an interview that Jason did with Geeks and Gamers. Now, the format is you have a host named Jeremy, and this is all done through uh, Skype. Jason is in probably Ohio where he lives, and this guy's in this other area. And then the third person is a girl named Anna, I believe, who is, I guess, a contributor to that show. And everybody here, you know, they're they're super Star Wars fans to a certain extent. They get on, and you know, they start talking uh, about it. But I'll, I'll 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 give you a little more information about those other two shows. You know, she has her own show independently of this. You know, he runs uh, this show and uh, possibly a couple of other ones. I'm not entirely sure. And he's got a lot of people in his circle. These are very popular type of shows. Very well oiled machine. Very. I don't want to say high production, but good production value. You know, it's, it's obviously everybody's doing this, you know, out of their offices, out of their basements and that sort of thing. So this episode, which I'm going to give you a link to, obviously, runs almost three hours long. It's like, oh my God, this is enormous. You know, how big of an episode this is. And I don't know if they normally have episodes this long. And I do give them credit because of the fact that they, answer a number of questions, not all questions, the format that it works. And I guess this must be when you have popular shows and as they're having their show, people are live texting them their their questions, you know, on on the feed, on the actual feed of the the YouTube feed. And they are answering uh, some of those questions, primarily the questions that are being paid for. In other words, as people donate money to the show... Most of those questions are answered. You know, they kind of take priority over everybody else, which kind of makes sense, I guess. You know, if you're going to throw money at a show, you want something in return, then the least they can do is answer your question. You could see it that way, but you could also see it as, well, only the people that pay will get their questions answered. So you have to pay to ask a question. You could also see it that way. It's a, it's a weird, you know, two-way street that you're dealing with when it comes to questions and answers. With that said, they do hit them up with a couple of really good questions and we do get some answers as to what they are. So I urge everybody, if this is a subject that you're interested in, watch the show. Watch their show, watch that episode at least. You never know, you might absolutely love that show, you might absolutely not love that show. It could go either way, but at least in this particular instance, they do address some of these issues. And I'm going to go through some of the answers here of the most relevant stuff out of that almost three-hour-long interview. So, Twitter. Question of why did you leave Twitter? And Jason said, yeah, they had to leave Twitter because all of the attacks that they were getting themselves, in other words, the people that were attacking them, no mention of the back and forth, just a one-sided kind of comment as far as the attack. Uh, so yeah, it, is that true? I don't know, you tell me. Sometimes people delete their Twitter uh, because they can't handle it or, be, or because they don't wanna have people retweeting, I guess, some of the stuff that they tweeted themselves. <laughs> And it's a quick way of kind of ending this barrage of questionable comments, no matter where they're coming from, that's one way of doing it. That's my commentary on it anyway. But like I said, his his point of view was more that it was the attacks that the show was getting, the personal attacks that they were getting. They asked him about how all this started, this controversy. And so Jason traces it back to the Rogue One press conference. He says that he remembers that not only was there that controversy having to do with specific journalists that asked a question that kind of triggered the first problem. But even before that, he said that one of the stars of Rogue One, I believe one of the Asian men, accidentally spilled the beans on, on some spoilery material and that they were kind of making fun of the fact that he spilled the beans. And some people reacted uh, negatively in terms of that they were making fun of him because he was Asian. I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, I do remember. I think I remember the actual episode, and I remember telling my son, "It's like, hey, did did he just say that? You know, that that spoiler that you know that particular character has, that dies." And I remember that, but I, I honestly do not remember there being any controversy, uh, unless this, they're talking about behind the scenes, unless they're talking about uh, Twitter or something else where they got criticized for it, but. I don't remember there being any hubbub about that. I also don't remember the whole journalist thing because I believe possibly by the time that I listened to this show, they had already deleted it because of the backlash they got. Well, the way that he explains it is that once this particular journalist asked Kathleen Kennedy the question about diversity, about women directors, women you know playing a bigger role, and Kennedy started to kind of answer her back, defending her point of view or her stance on how they were trying to find the best people for the job and blah, blah, blah. You know, not giving her a specific answer of, yes, that's the one, you know, I'm sure she wasn't going to break any news there. And they still haven't done it, by the way. And even though Jimmy Mack was there at the conference, at the press conference, you know, it was not until they actually listened to the show afterwards that they started commenting on it. And the way that Jason explains it is that that he felt that he was defending Kathleen Kennedy against this You know, impolite, if that's how you see it, a journalist. The fact that that they started calling her names, and Jason even says, uh, I called her a snot-nosed little social justice warrior who was virtue signaling right there on the stage. Well, again, this is something that I didn't hear because I I never heard it. They had deleted it before I was able to hear it. And... Because they didn't know at the time that this particular person... I forget the term, but I don't know if it's called binary or something like that. I don't know if it's trans or binary. One of those terms. She does not identify as a woman. Even though they thought she was a woman. I think she might identify as something else or as nothing at all. You know, I'm not sure. But the fact that was that they were attacking her, the individual... And it turned very personal. They were the, the the words they were using, the words that Jason was using were very personal words, and he said, "Well, maybe you no, know, maybe that's uh, you know you know I, I went a little too far there." And he says that they were advised to apologize to Aaron. that's the journalist's name. Not sure who advised them to apologize. Aaron identifies as a male, apparently. And he says that perhaps I got too personal about his attack. And again, he keeps mentioning I was just trying to defend Kathleen Kennedy. And he says that, you know, that that was a mistake. Uh, The fact that they did apologize was a mistake. Uh, He says, never apologize for anything. Never apologize for that sort of thing, because they will twist your words when you apologize. They apparently invited her to come to the show to, I guess, apologize in person and to explain things, but I don't think she ever took them up on it. He also talks about how he thinks that like the younger generation these days, again, not to sound like old man, you know, the old cranky old man, but... The younger generation just never believes they are wrong about anything. I guess it's that whole millennial thing, you know. The, 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 let's beat on millennials. I understand that, and you do that. That happens all the time. Everybody, you get older. These young kids don't know anything. I, I get that. I, I I see that. So around this time, this is the end of 2016, I believe, the beginning of 2017, which was the last celebration. Rebel Force Radio. Uh, they had submitted their. Um, request to be at celebration and they apparently had it at some point and at some point they got a letter back saying that they were not welcome at celebration that's how he phrases it i'm not sure exactly how that works in terms of is it what did they receive a letter somebody called them i don't know so he ties in their banishment if you will from celebration to this particular incident almost 2 years ago and he tried, you know, he he presents his case as, uh, as much as possible to show how inclusive he is, and all these other shows that were started that had women in them, and that how he was the one, uh, they were the one that that prompted them and helped them to get it. And he he made a comment uh, at one point saying that you know he has a gay friend, and he and this gay friend told him that the guy that usually yells homo the loudest usually is. This was told by a gay friend, and the purpose of that example, uh, I believe, is to explain that the people that accuse him of the things that are accusing him of in reality they're the ones doing that bad thing i assume that's what he meant by that he talks about virtue signaling and how people have something to hide so they virtue signal there's a lot of terms that are being thrown around here that sooner or later you start to kind of form a connection that these are code words these are Words that are kind of like in the group words, words that normally you don't hear every day. But if you are in a certain group who have certain thoughts and beliefs, these are little catchphrases that are thrown, again, to kind of marginalize or to describe certain groups of people. But that particular analogy, you know, that he... And I've heard that one before. It's like, yeah, the ones that are... But I think to use it in this particular instance whether he meant it or not, is a little strange because it's kind of... It, it, It again, goes back to what I was talking about last uh, on that other episode, and that is that that's giving the gay word a bad connotation. It's kind of like you're accusing somebody of being something ugh, disgusting, when in reality, you are the one who's disgusting because you are exactly that. So you could kind of see it that way, too, that you're accusing somebody of being gay because... You are gay. And gay is bad. So you're accusing somebody of being something bad because you are bad. Again, when you put the word gay as a negative connotation, it starts up a whole bunch of problems. Now, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe Jason is a little, little old school and he's just repeating an old school saying that maybe doesn't apply anymore. But at the same time, that is a lot of the arguments of when we're dealing with this kind of rift, generational, I don't know if you want to call it generational rift or political social rift is that they usually, one side of the aisle usually doesn't like it when new terms are brought up. So they're less, so the old terms are less insulting, you know, to people that feel they're being insulted. The whole issue of political correctness, of saying things differently so you don't offend someone else. So we could be kind of falling down that rabbit hole by that particular statement. But I just found it odd that in order to make that point, you would make that point with that word. And then that word gets a negative connotation. And then you're back to like, oh, crap, maybe I shouldn't have used that one. But that wasn't a concern at all for him. He was using it as a way of defending himself about these people that are saying these bad things about them. They're the ones that are that. And then he chose a gay example as being accused of being gay. But I guess the fact that a gay friend told him that kind of makes him immune or makes the person immune from them being the ones who are giving the bad connotation. Anyway, let's move on. Jason responded to one question about how Disney is handling all this back and forth that it's happening. But again, the way that he seems to see things is, again, it's a one-way, it's practically a one-way street going against them, what Disney is reacting to. They accuse that, you know, that Disney is hiding everybody or piling everybody that gives any kind of negative comment as racist, which is basically the, again, I've heard this many times when trying to make that argument of, listen, you've crossed the line here. I understand criticism, but then when you cross a certain line, you're getting personal, ethnically, racially personal, you know, you're getting a little too close into that territory of the possible racist, sexist comment. But, then that usually gets thrown back as, well, you're just lumping in all together. Any comment that one person makes gets lumped into the racist, you know, pot. Well, they're making that comment here. They're saying basically that Disney is just accusing everybody. Now, this is something that's going to be happening back and forth in this argument. People that are upset about something having to do with Star Wars are not a unified group. They are a splintered group. Some people are upset about character development, story writing, the specific actions that certain characters take. Some people are upset about racial casting in terms of why does this person have to be black? Why does this person have to be a woman? Why does this person have to be Chinese or Vietnamese? Why does that person have to be Hispanic? So you have two different philosophies, if you were, or two different complaints, one of them being obviously racist in terms of their concern about race and ethnicity and sex and you know gender all like that kind of stuff the other group is being concerned more concerned about story writing plot holes scripts you know all that character development all that stuff that's legitimate in my opinion for a discussion the problem is that you also have groups that are kind of in the middle they are upset with the writing and they can kind of They're smart, you know, they are seeing the writing and the writing is not that good, but they also have very strong thoughts about race and gender, and they're bringing those into that conversation too. So it is very difficult to single out one group. So whenever a comment gets put out, whether it's a blowback comment of Disney or an artist saying, you guys are just blah, blah, you know, whatever, some people take it as they're lumping them all in one group. Now, they might not be lumping them all in one group, and I hope they're not, because again, I fall into one of those categories. In my opinion, I fall on the person that has the script issues, not the racial issues, and definitely not the one that has a little of both, but when you are anywhere on the racial side of this equation, you are going to lump everything as being attacked, and a lot of people don't. See themselves. Let me put it this way. And it's funny because Jason even mentions it. That racism is something that. There are those that are out and proud. Very proud. And I don't remember seeing it as much. Because I used to live up north. Now that I live up south. There's a difference. There's the quiet northern racist. I guess you could call it. Where it's a quick little comment here. Quick little comment there. Closed doors. Maybe a little booze. And then the hate comes out. But they kind of keep it controlled. You don't see too much screaming and yelling about it. Uh, you know, it's that uh, it's the racist uncle that shows up uh, at Thanksgiving, the, the, the traditional racist uncle in the family. You know, I actually don't have a racist uncle, but it's a term that's used. It's like, oh crap! Oh, here we go. Here comes, you know, here comes, here comes the hate. <laughs> Let it flow. So another point that is made here is that. Jason says that when the Star Wars show was announced, so this is the Gutierrez controversy-related show, that they kind of knew that they didn't need them anymore, that they didn't need RFR anymore, because now they are they had their own way of promoting the brand without having to go to the fans. As he says, they now had their own mouthpieces, not Rebel Force Radio. Well, that's an interesting way of phrasing it, because if the Star Wars show is considered to be the mouthpiece of Lucasfilm... Then when Lucasfilm was going to them, they were the mouthpieces for Lucasfilm. And that's something we talked about in the past, I think, that at a certain point, the show got so big that it started to feel different. It was no longer a show about two guys who are just speculating on stuff and admiring stuff. They were insiders. They became insiders. Once they were hosting, you know, the celebration stages and they had access to all these Top tier, eh, Star Wars-y kind of actors, especially the, the the animated actors, the Dave Filoni crowd. They did kind of take on this new aura around them. They got a lot of sponsors. They got a lot of access. They got to go on these trips and these premieres and these, these kind of things that... I'm sure they, 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 a lot of them, you know, they put their own bill, but it's the access, is the being allowed to go into this particular room, you know, that everybody else could not go into, you know, that kind of thing. That's a, a period where I think, I, think, I mean, I, like I said, to me, the show got a little too big and it started feeling a little too corporate, if you will, you know, as if they were just another branch of Lucasfilm. Uh, so that's an interesting point he makes there. Regarding the removal of their link as a recommended podcast, Jason says that he didn't, uh, you know, he really didn't know that they were there in the first place. And he's not exactly sure which controversy got them removed from that particular page. Again, you know, I find that a little hard to believe because, you know, when you're recommended by the thing you admire the most, you're going to find out about that and you're going to crow about it and you're going to be happy about it. I mean, is it possible? I guess it is possible that he was completely unaware of it. But it just seems a little, you know, ah, who cares? I, I never knew about it in the first place, so I don't miss it. You know, that kind of attitude. So, you know, you never know which way that could go. He talks about how Kathleen Kennedy wearing that shirt, that the, the Force is female, that that's something that shouldn't have been done. Now, again, from what I understand, and I think they even mentioned it a little bit here, is that that was not a shirt that she kind of, like, made at home and then brought out to rub it in people's faces. No, that was part of a Nike, I believe, Lucasfilm marketing license. And she, I guess, wore it to promote the brand and promote that particular thing and to try to attract more female fans, you know, you figured. But this is one of those things that he seems to have gotten, and not only him, but the, uh, the hosts of the Geeks and Gamers crew really bent out of shape about, well, they should have had the forces men or the force is gays or the force is black you know they kind of throw it in that direction they try to emphasize the equality for all argument because she chose to wear a shirt that again was manufactured by a licensee he mentions also that all this is just kind of like a gotcha game and it's all about identity politics he he's too busy at work to think about things like race and gender You know, those kind of issues are are something that people just bring up because they want to bring them up, more or less. Uh, And that, you know, when when he's working, he's working with all kinds of people, and he goes down the list of you're whites, you're blacks, you're gays, you're straights, you're this, you're that, as an example of, you know, how open he is to this whole thing. However, again, my biggest beef here is the fact that he's too busy, and and I understand that, I, I get the point, that he's too busy at work, to think about those things, but apparently he wasn't too busy during that Patriot show to bring up those things, so, you know, you can't have it both ways, you can't be a show that doesn't delve into the political aspects of those things, and then deal with those things, um, you can't even, you know, work it into it, now I understand that there are times where you might have to, and you might have to even warn your audience that, listen, this is an episode we're going to get into the weeds here when it comes to politics, and you could say something like, for the record, you you know, I have my own personal views and these are my views. Uh, so you, you might hear a slightly slanted in one direction personal views having to do with this or that. But for the most part, they really tried hard not to bring in politics. But apparently when they did bring it up, it kind of, it practically derailed the show because it caused this entire controversy. It's like, well, what kind of show do you want to be? Do you want to be a show that Doesn't touch politics? Or are you now entering a new world of entertainment, which we're going to talk about later, where your show is going to cross over into these sort of topics? He mentions that racists are not subtle... And I completely agree with that to a certain extent, as I mentioned earlier, yes, the the stereotypical racists are not subtle. I mentioned the difference between North and South, quiet racists and the loud racists, you know, that kind of stuff. The out and proud racist and the, I'm not racist, why are you calling me racist? Everything I say sounds racist. If I don't like this, you're calling me, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I do agree with that. But I also would add to that, that many people have racist tendencies and because People are tribalistic in nature. They're naturally tribalistic. You naturally, you know, are attracted or naturally are more comfortable with things that are the same. You have to kind of step outside your comfort zones to be able to analyze and experience something new. And many times you might find that these new things are things that you like. And not only you like, but not necessarily things you have to tolerate, but things that are they have the same rights as you have, whether it's people ideas or things and that you can't just say you know racist or not racist i think there are levels and between those two extremes of non and and extremely racist you have people that are mildly racist in a way that sometimes you know they might say something that out of this that comes out of nowhere and you're like whoa wait a minute that sounds a little strange what, what do you mean by that and then if you start digging deep now granted most people don't want to talk about it Most people say, if you try to say, well, can you explain what you meant by those people, you know, those people, or why do women have to, or these gay, you know, when you start to kind of scratch that, you might not like where that conversation goes, because you might not want to know where that is going to take you, which I think, again, this is what happened, uh, I think, with their show, is that it's not that all of a sudden they are now, you know, the representatives of the KKK, you know, no, no, there is an extreme here, and they are not definitely in no shape or form an extreme. But some of those comments, you know, started to kind of tilt that needle a little bit, you know, in that direction. Again, we'll talk about this a little later. So his point of view concerning the Gutierrez situation is that he was on vacation, and somebody sent him a photo through Twitter, I think it was, of Andy Gutierrez, and in the background, in other words, I think it was a photo of her holding a toy or something. And way in the background in some kind of shelf. And I tried looking at that photo and I, I honestly can't find it. I, I don't know, maybe I have to blow it up bigger or something. But I, it's hard for me to find it. And if it's there, it's there. I, I, I'm sure it's there. It's just that I haven't seen it yet. They said that there's a, there's a mug in the background that had the word fanboy tears. So Jason took it upon himself and he admits it to look at some older photos from a few years ago, I think it could have been 2015 or something like that, where she was posing with that mug to the camera. And he retweeted that photo. Now, I don't know if it's on purpose or just the way Twitter works, cause I'm not a, I don't do the Twitter thing. <laughs> the photo was retweeted by Jason and it didn't have the date on it. So when you're looking at the feed coming up, it looks as if this is just a continuation of that photo. It's the same person, now the person is holding this, but guess what, that photo was taken two or three years earlier. So that kind of ignited a Twitter storm because it was in the midst of some other, I guess, problem going on, where she started to get harassed, she started to get all kinds of weird, you know, nasty stuff, and Jason believes that he has been accused of sicking the fans or his particular followers on her, And his defense is, well, she shouldn't have taken that photo, you know, a couple years ago because that kind of leaves it open for anybody to kind of repost it again. And then she gets whatever she gets based on that photo. Now, there's no doubt that up until that point, things were going in one direction. And once that second photograph was reposted by Jason, that kind of ignited a fan or a particular brand of fan outrage towards her for posting that photo. So he does not really believe that he, you know, incited anything or is to blame or meant to incite anything. He believes that he was just posting an innocent photo, kind of clarifying what the other photo, more current one, had. He does, uh, once again, admit that he's a huge fan of Rush Limbaugh, which, you know, at least uh, I, I admire the fact that he's honest about his... His idols, you know, so when, when I say that he's trying to lean in a certain direction, I'm not just kind of making it up. And just because it, I feel like that's what he's sounding like, that's his idol. He likes that the, the man, and I'm sure he doesn't like him for the sound of his voice. You know, you have to entertain somebody. And Limbaugh, like I mentioned before, he is entertaining, but there's a message that he's conveying to his followers. And that message is one particular brand of political thinking. That, you know, it's definitely not middle of the road, let's put it that way. He also says that they did lose some audience members, but then some of them started coming back and some of them were kind of like apologizing to him and and, and admitting they made a mistake by leaving the show. And he says that it, it takes a big person to admit they were wrong. But he's talking about the people that are returning to his show who were initially offended by some of the things that were said on his show, you know, especially having to do with the Rogue One situation. Uh, But obviously, because he feels that he has done nothing wrong across the board, from the Rogue One situation all the way to now, that is something that does not apply to him. So doing something wrong and apologizing for it, it only applies to to the way people have been reacting to the show. He again reiterates that if he could go back in time and change something, uh, the only thing he would change is not apologizing for the Rogue One press conference comments. He said it was wrong for him to apologize, and it basically had him walking into a trap by his apology. He was asked about David Collins, who used to do the Star Wars Oxygen show with uh, with Jimmy. You know, if he's coming back, uh, and that if the reason why he's no longer involved is because of the, all these controversies, and he says he probably is. He doesn't know for sure. You know uh, what his frame of mind was, but he says you know he David Collins works for Lucasfilm, and he wouldn't be surprised that you know in order for him to. Remain in good standing with the company Just like other people Who were, I assume, asked to stop coming over to the show Because the the show just froze in terms of guests That he was probably one of them He mentions that Because this, this interview took place Before San Diego Comic Con He talks about how, you know That CNN is uh, already planting The seed of toxic fandom At San Diego Comic-Con. And he was also talking about how people are going to react. Whether or not any of this is going to be brought up. During San Diego Comic-Con. Which I don't remember. I mean I looked around and I I couldn't really find anything. I'll have to keep looking a little more. But I couldn't find anything having to do with with fan reaction. Specifically Star Wars. And I remember San Diego Comic-Con is very. It's not just Star Wars. as everything. So you might not get. Now the fact that he brings up CNN out of all networks out there. Again kind of tells me. In a typical fashion, this is somebody who sees CNN as something kind of bad. It's very interesting, which is, again, politically an expected thing to hear, you know, from somebody who is of a certain political mindset these days. He also mentions that as far as Disney is concerned, regarding the way that they have reacted to things, specifically, I guess, their treatment of rebel force radio and as he mentions it because you got to remember that the way that this is framed the way that this argument is framed is that what you did to us that us being rebel force radio is what you're doing to the fans so when making his defense and his argument against whatever it is that you know they're being accused of it's not framed in a matter of what they did against him and jimmy it's what they did to the fan community because he is representing fandom Uh, Now, granted, you could say he is representing his followers, you know, the followers of his show, the viewers that agree with his show. You could say that. But when these arguments are happening, when these points are being framed, it's Disney coming after Star Wars fans in general. It's Lucasfilm coming after Star Wars fans in general. When Ryan Johnson or Chuck Wendig say something nasty that they don't like, they're saying it to the entire community. That is how I believe he frames that and they frame it that way. But that is not exactly, I believe, how it is meant to be perceived. Now, does it get perceived that way? That's a whole other issue. Is there a problem with how Johnson and Wendig, for example, project their answers back to the critics? You know, are they being careful in not lumping everybody under one group? But yeah, that's a whole other issue, too. That is kind of like an escalation of words where one person says something nasty and then another person replies and then another person says something nasty and then another person replies and amps it up a notch and throws in a couple of curse words here or there. And then you have this brawl, this verbal brawl between two groups that people that have absolutely nothing to do with this particular thing look into it and go, whoa, what is going on here? But again, we'll we'll talk about that a little later. He mentions that Disney can course correct that is very simple for Disney to course correct this whole situation and to admit they were wrong. Now, I think he's talking about uh, not only film problems, but their perceived general attitude of all this inclusivity and all this what they perceive to be political left-leaning views uh, being projected into the films that right-wing individuals are having such a tough problem with. But he says that that certain, you know, in order to do that, in order to course correct, they would have to admit that they're wrong, and that takes humility. So, again, those are interesting words to use considering that he doesn't feel like he needs to apologize for anything himself, but then he's giving Lizney reasons on how to properly apologize. Again, we're back to this I've done nothing wrong, take no prisoners kind of attitude. In the future, just double down. Double down. If you admit, that you did something wrong that shows weakness weakness invites you know the predators to come out and pick at you so it is a strategy it's it's a very combative strategy but at the same time you know i find it very hard to believe that as he mentions it in so many years i don't know if he said 10 12 years worth of programming That it is possible for him to slip up and say something that he shouldn't have said. But it sounds now that that even if he slips up or even if he has slipped up, the last thing the world is gonna do is apologize for it. He has to just plow, you know, just drive through it, plow through it, because weakness is bad. You know, mistakes can't be admitted. But at the same time, he's trying to teach Disney about humility and apologizing and admitting making mistakes. Very ironic. Uh, they asked him about his advertisers, you know, have they lost advertisers? And he kind of talks about how his advertisers were attacked by, uh, he called them nut jobs. People that, who were offended by what they were saying, called some of their advertisers and some of their advertisers pulled away. I do remember they used to have, uh, well, Little Debbie Snacks. I forget, they have like underwear thing now and they have shave, dollar shave. I don't remember. And I think they even had a card company at one point. Uh, Nissan, I think. They, you know, they had some interesting, you know, serious, more or less, advertisers, and I don't think those are uh, there right now. Some of them might have stayed, most of them apparently went away, but he kind of, you know, he kind of spins it that, you know, he, he is trying to uh, take the show in a new direction where they don't have to rely on, you know, he says he loves the advertisers they do still have. And the advertisers that they had and he doesn't blame them for going away because they're a business too and a business has to decide, you know, what's going to be more profitable for them. If advertising with them is going to hurt them, then they should move away from them. And he understands that because he's a guy, he's a guy who's apparently he's in marketing and promotion, uh, advertising. So he, he, he knows the game. He knows how that's played. But he says that his goal is to be 100% advertiser free and to be able to fund the show through its viewers, through its subscribers. A question was asked of how fans will feel about Jason going on the Geeks and Gamers show. And how does Jason feel about Geeks and Gamers? You know, because they have their own controversy. Uh, they have their own reputation, if you will. And that is something that, like I said, we we're going to talk about earlier. And he responds by saying how much he pra- he praises the show. He He's a fan. He watches a uh, many many episodes and not only the Geeks and Gamers but a lot of the associated shows with Geeks and Gamers so that's a very important point too to note that he's not just visiting a random show he's visiting one of his favorite shows and like I said that's going to make a little more sense later he says that Jeremy from Geeks and Gamers is fighting the good fight he might not necessarily agree with everything but he loves the fact that he has the right to say whatever he feels like saying it's a very you could say it's a free speech thing I can say whatever I want I don't care There are some limits, even to free speech. You don't have carte blanche to go completely into crazy land. But with some of these shows, that is an argument, and that is also an argument when you're dealing with extreme behavior in the realm of sexism and and, and racism is that people will make the argument, will try to make the argument anyway, that all those kinds of isms are just another point of view. So in other words, you could be for something, you can be against something, and one of those somethings theoretically be racism, because it's an ism. It's a point of view. This is how I perceive the world. This is how I would like the world to be. I miss that old, you know, pre-Civil War kind of political climate and what things were allowed to do and not allowed to do. I miss the 50s. I miss the pre-integration days, you know. I miss the pre-70s eras. I miss the the pre-hippie time, you know, when things... things were good you know that kind of mindset again when you dig and dig and dig you get to a point where you're like wait a minute but the reason why it looked a certain way is because certain people weren't allowed to do that and if they weren't allowed to do that why because of certain beliefs that have their root in racism but anyway i don't know if you can call it a libertarian kind of streak i mean it's definitely republican but there's also a libertarian thing where hey everybody does whatever they want just leave me alone you know no government i get that too but there's a, there's a shift, you know, there's a difference in that particular point of view. And that is something that we, that will be repeated just about every time that you go into these shows and you try to examine, you know, what their thing is, you know, what their stances are. Uh, the, the fact that, hey, you should be able to say whatever you want. That, that phrase just comes up every five minutes. You should be able to say whatever you want. You speak your mind, speak your mind, say whatever you want. Yes, yes, I understand that. But still, there are some boundaries, and you can't also fault the people because they have the right to react to however it is that you are choosing to use that particular freedom. Now, he also mentions that people take clips of some of the things that were said and even the transcripts to try to defame them, to try to play the gotcha game with him. And that, I think, is going to be the closest we get in this interview to him addressing those two clips that I played for you uh, that, were, that are on the internet right now. Having to do with his opinion on the Dr. Afra comic and uh, women writers and how men are being, you know, shrunken to the point of eliminated, you know, that particular rant. He never addresses it during this interview. Nobody asks him and he doesn't bring it up. But I guess by him saying that by people using clips, they just take everything out of context. They just kind of, you know, they don't get to the point. Problem being there is that because this was uh, recorded in Patreon, the only way for you to listen to it is to pay money so if his point is if you want to listen to my full statement you have to give me money this way you can really make up your mind about it that's kind of like a weird uh, way of defending yourself I think you want proof of my innocence give me some money and I'll give you proof that's even assuming that these comments are still there and he didn't edit them out I don't know that I honestly do not know that so unfortunately those comments are never addressed directly which Personally, to me, that was the crux. That was the most important part of what really, really turned me off to what was happening, you know, from what I've heard, you know, of those comments is the, the thing that kind of, you know, and you try to think about, you know, could they be taken out of context? Where, where is the rest of the argument being made during those moments? And again, you figure that if this is a, an interview where you're kind of putting it all out there, and they do ask and bring up certain key important elements it's disappointing that the main 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 element as far as i'm concerned never gets addressed he goes back to the argument of how content creators star wars content creators official star wars content creators should not attack fans Uh, granted i believe what he means by that is creators that are paid by lucasfilm directly because obviously all these other podcasts that are attacking fans because of their particular Preference of Star Wars doesn't come into mind. He's being very specific, and so is Jimmy. That the people that they're upset about the most are people like Ryan Johnson, Chuck Wendig, and to a certain extent, somebody like Pablo Hidalgo, let's say. It's somebody that they kind of are not very happy with. He mentions that Ryan Johnson had to go on an apology tour. You know, after Last Jedi came out, which it was kind of weird because I did. And, and that's one of the things that you that, that, that I, I keep bringing up here so much is the fact that there are so many good points being made and then so many bad points being made. This isn't all one-sided, you know, horror fest. This is a combination of good stuff and bad stuff, in my opinion. You know, Ryan Johnson did, you know, after Last Jedi came out, it, it kind of felt like he was trying to... Undo the damage of the criticism of the movie, but at the same time he was sticking by his guns, and he was trying to play both sides of the coin. But granted, I'm sure if you ask him, just like any other official Star Wars creator, they would say that their particular attacks, if you want to characterize them as attacks, and. His particular comebacks, I would imagine, are not as offensive and out there as Chuck Wendig's particular flavor of attacks that he would engage in, or counterattacks. They would probably tell you that they are specifically, specifically targeting the typical, you know, toxic fan, the fan that's full of anger and, you know, sexist comments and racist comments and that kind of thing. But... In the way that the people that are most critical of these particular Lucasfilm entities, they kind of take whatever they say and lump it into the entire, entire fandom of Star Wars. Thereby making themselves an even bigger victim than what they might perceive themselves to be in the first place there's obviously strengthening numbers. If you're going to announce to the world that you're being victimized, it's more effective if a lot of people are being victimized because it's not just you. You know, it's it's everybody. So, that kind of seems to be the argument put forth. Another point they make is that they believe that George Lucas chose Kathleen Kennedy not for her creativity because they're under the impression that George thought he was still going to be involved in the creative process and she was going to be more like the business person. Again, that could be more speculation on their behalf based on those original interviews or announcements i remember her saying that you know yeah george will be there and i always have george to go to when it comes to the important questions and blah 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 and that sort of thing but obviously he departed more permanently than originally hoped i think i think the original thing was that he offered them certain storylines they said thanks but no thanks see you later george and that was the end of it they mentioned something about how all of this uh, negativity or debate, if you will, started back when there was this whole uh, Slave Leia debate that they consider it to be an anti-male radical faction of female fans four or five years ago. That's kind of how everything, all of this started. And that there are certain shows that kind of quote to that in terms of kind of calling them out, in terms of making you, their listeners, aware of this kind of thing going on, you know, with shows like Geeks and Gamers and uh, one of their podcasting friends, Ethan uh, Van, uh, I forget the last name, Uh, he's a comic book writer, but another leader in the world of this particular brand of Star Wars, and also that Star Wars girl, which is the, she's the one that's also participating in this interview. Jason states that he believes that all this intensity also started in 2016 after the election, that people who are not happy with the election are the ones who are performing these attacks. Politics has kind of permeated into football now. Politics are being thrown in your face in movies that for some reason, filmmakers feel that they need to highlight women and minorities in their cast. And that they're basically trying to just fill a quota as opposed to just being creative in the writing process. And that these filmmakers, like the Star Wars filmmakers, they try to inoculate themselves from criticism by hiding behind social issues. So basically their argument is like, anything that they think is bad, the creators come back as, you're just being racist, you're just being sexist. Again, that's another knee-jerk reaction that I've heard for a long time now, that you try to bring up a point and it immediately gets thrown in your face that, oh, you're just calling me a racist. You know that that kind of quick return to a criticism. They also talk about that you know, they weren't very happy. Jimmy is talking about how they weren't very happy with Pablo Hidalgo, like I mentioned earlier, his responses, he was very condescending and arrogant and cocky in the way that he replied, or at least tried to communicate with the the fans. Now again, who are the fans that he's talking to? I don't know. Is it every fan, or is it the most critical, you know borderline toxic kind of fan? Uh, Jason also was asked during the show about, you know, has he ever even seen harassment of girls? And uh, he honestly said he has never in his life experienced or witnessed any sort of harassment towards women. Which would make it uh, pretty reasonable why his particular politics don't believe that sort of thing could exist. Specifically in Star Wars, let's say. I'm not sure if he meant any harassment in general but he says that he has never experienced uh, that sort of thing in star wars and that for example you know when he attended celebrations it was always you know a love fest which it is it's a wonderful one that there's usually no really bad stories at celebration so far but the other co-host anna i think her name uh, is again uh, she did mention to him that that she did suffer quite a bit of harassment uh, for being a star wars fan and other things during school and he's seen genuinely Surprised that, oh wow, really? That, that could happen? That that happened to you? So I, I assume because she said it, maybe he might believe it. I, I hope he believes it because, uh, you know, we're playing these games where you tell a story, but depending on what side of the fence you're on, it's believed or it's not believed. So it almost sounded like he believed her that that sort of thing did happen. Now, like I said, overall, this is a pretty long interview, and it's up to you whether or not you want to listen to it. Just so you know that I'm not taking his quotes out of context, you can make up your own conclusions based on what he's saying. Like I said, he is in a friendly environment. He is not completely, completely challenged on some of the worst things that he's, you know, being accused of in terms of his tone of the show, of those particular comments, of those specific elements. He did, and I, you know, but I do give him credit. You know, you cannot take away the fact that... I would say about maybe 60% or 70% of the questions that I would have liked to ask were asked. However, my most important questions were not asked, unfortunately. And before I kind of give you a bigger overall picture of how I feel about this, one way of also being able to tell what you're dealing with, and maybe I do have to go into it a little bit, is that what's happening or what I think is happening now is something that I think has been documented, and I'm going to do a future show about it, that this kind of wave of defining fandom, especially with Star Wars, this particular way of making your particular brand more important or more popular or something new for people to look at that they haven't seen yet, is something that might have started or was inspired by certain events in the genre community, such as Gamergate and Comicsgate. Um, you can look up these two events. These are events where all of a sudden there was this resistance to inclusivity, to diversity, where certain fans basically put their foot down and said, that's it, we don't want this anymore, we don't want you to add you know, certain people in the mix. We don't want you changing characters. We don't want you doing any of this. And on certain instances, they were successful in kind of pushing back and attempting to go back to a more traditional style. Uh, not so much, uh, you know, not not only in in what you see on the page, but the people that are actually writing and contributing and making, you know, whatever the content is, any kind of, You know, strides forward, you know, when it comes to the type of people that you have writing, that they actually represent the people that are buying uh, these products, were uh, pushed back. They they were harassed and uh, attacked, and uh, all kinds of crazy nutty things uh, went on that, like I said, I'm going to get into detail about this in a future show. But in the case of Star Wars, it's almost like these people kind of took a cue from those efforts and some of those efforts uh, generated a subculture a subgenre of i guess you can call them youtube stars or podcasters or bloggers or whatever you want to call them these you know third tier kind of people which is the the world we kind of live in when it comes to podcasting you know we don't work directly for the content creators we are technically ourselves and we are technically giving you our opinions but This created a very specific genre. It's a very angry genre at what would be considered to be mainstream whatever. And it does go hand in hand with politics, unfortunately, because that is exactly the model that, for example, and here we go, let's get political, Fox News used. And Fox News used very successful and very profitable because they were able to find a niche of people, a certain demographic that loved their message. They absolutely adored and loved their message and some of them still do right now. It's a certain age range, it's a certain gender, it's a certain ethnicity, but there's money there to be made. And obviously if Fox has made millions of dollars just from that brand alone. So what's happened here is that independent podcasters have kinda tapped into that possible money stream. In terms of they've been able to monetize these type of shows. Uh, So what I'm saying is that it's not just, you know, talking for the sake of talking. A lot of these people, I don't know if all of them, but a lot of these people are making some serious dough. Being able to put out what is considered to be a certain point of view. Even if that point of view crosses the line, hurts people, insults people, doesn't matter. It's profitable. It makes money. It gives them viewers. So... Why would they stop? It's a successful enterprise. And they don't necessarily have to be the ones, you know, on the attack. This is, uh, again, it's a a formula. It's a a formula that works. You have uh, people like Rush Limbaugh, people like uh, Glenn Beck, you know, people that you say something and then their viewers or their listeners, they go on the attack. They go and pepper another person's uh, Facebook feed or Twitter feed or... Comments in YouTube with negativity and hatred, they don't necessarily have to do it, but their viewers, and and, and, and their they know. It's like, you know, this guy is really getting on my nerves. Somebody should do something about it. And then all of a sudden, boom, they kind of descend there like, uh, you know, birds of prey and start taking that person apart, you know, in social media. But they can always legally, I guess, hide behind the fact that, well, listen, we didn't tell them to do this. We cannot be responsible for our fans. We're just giving out free speech and free speech. People interpret it in any way they want. Yeah, that's the loophole. That is the legal loophole. And that is also a way of being able to strategically flex your muscle, the power of your listeners, the power and the influence you have over your listeners to harass somebody make somebody's life very difficult some people feeling that they need protection because they're going to get hurt it's scary but it's effective it is an effective technique now one particular example of you know while i'm listening to this interview and i had to listen to this interview a number of times because i was able to, you know the first time i'm listening to what i was like wow finally these things are being talked about and you know, I was pretty disheartened by some of the answers and and I would agree on certain things. And then, you know, all of a sudden they start talking real Star Wars and they're actually talking about positive Star Warsy type of subjects. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is great, this is great. But then it goes back to, you know, the conspiracy of, uh, you know, the left uh, trying to take them down. And it's like, oh, my God, here we go. Now we're in Fox World again. And basically that's pretty much what you have now. What you have now is a Star Wars fan base at least on the podcast world and bloggers and, 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 and YouTubers and all that kind of thing where they are picking sides. They have now said, we are over here and you are either here with me or you are with those lefties, basically. Everybody else is out there. So you're kind of forced to pick sides. And, you know, when you have a show about Star Wars that should focus on Star Wars, on the you know, the fiction that is Star Wars, now you're injecting politics into it. Now, granted, I this is exactly what I'm doing with this show. But this show, we're not talking about the theories of Star Wars. I've done, and I mentioned it before, I've done more shows about The Last Jedi. More shows about how I dislike The Last Jedi without going overboard and, and hitting those things. And the people that I interviewed about... Their opinions of The Last Jedi, they range from the people that really enjoyed it and the people who feel like some of these guys at Geeks and Gamers and Jason and Ethan and these other people feel. There is a layer, there is a layer, a thick layer of vile, anger, the type of thing that you would say to yourself, how could you possibly even follow Star Wars if you have such repulsion of it? I know you love the original series, I know you like the original movies, but if, if this is causing you so much grief, if you see a female lead and it, it just turns your stomach, if you see a, a black individual as one of the leads and it makes you really uncomfortable and it makes you think that they're just pandering to left-wingers, then Just say it to hell with Star Wars. I'm done with Star Wars. And I mentioned this many times. There are other filmmakers out there. I I really don't know too many of them. But there are other filmmakers out there that might be more your style. Why turn it into a just complete hate fest? And that's what I'm finding about a lot of these shows. Is that it's all about anger and hate. It's all about about what I dislike. This is my outrage of the week. This week I'm outraged because uh, Kathleen Kennedy got extended another th- two, three years on her contract. I'm, dis- you know, I'm, I am don't like the fact that these characters in Resistance, you know, behave this way and there's one guy and there's the stereotypical this and the stereotypical that and the token this and the token that. If this is causing people, certain people, so much grief, go somewhere else, do something else. Find, find a show that really makes you feel good and happy. But like I said before, for a lot of these people, this is more than just being able to complain about something. There's money here to be made. There's money to be made about complaining about it. And there is a certain cachet, if you will. If it's not money, it's the amount of subscribers you have, the amount of power that you can wield by suggesting what some of these guys should do. And the point that this doesn't just live in the world of the voices of the host. This is something that is living actively with their subscribers. One of the things that I did was, and like I mentioned before, I watched this interview like three times. The first time I was watching it, just to kind of understand what was being said, more or less. Then I started taking notes. And then I watched it the second time, I started taking notes on the points that Jason was trying to make. Because I didn't want to misquote him. I didn't want to take him out of context or anything like that. And I also didn't want to play every clip. Because, like I said, it's a three-hour interview. And if I play all his clips, you know, our show would be so long that it's already going to be longer than expected. So I, I, I kind of grabbed his clips and I wrote them down. And then I'm repeating them to you. But I definitely suggest... Go take a look at these things, you know, judge for yourself. But what I was also looking at, as he's doing the interview, you know, under your window, on your YouTube window, you have the interview, you know, the video cameras going back and forth, and then you have the comments being made by the subscribers to that show. And there's a, I don't want to call it a trend or a pattern, or there's a certain flavor of anger and resentment and just kind of vile that goes, you know, fury That goes along with the comments that are being made. And I'm going to read some of them. And again, you guys should be able to get a feel. And you can see this too as you're listening to this show. If you ever bother to look at it, the interview that he has uh, on Rebel Force uh, Radio News subsection, uh, but could also be found, found in YouTube directly. Some of the comments are, uh, for example, and again, I can't give you word by word because there's so much information there, but I kind of wrote down the essence of what they're saying. The Hollywood, Disney, CNN axis. Again, these are people that are portraying Hollywood and Disney and CNN as some kind of evil force that they're all together conspiring against you. Kick Ryan at, you know, trying to come up with uh, that violent kind of ways of describing, I guess, what they want to do to Ryan Johnson. SJW, Hollywood versus fans, which is all uh, social justice uh, warrior-related things. Again, these are code words that keep being thrown around. They're talking points. They're specific talking points by right-wingers that that gets thrown around left and right. Uh, Once again, SJW, miserable, braveless, annoying zombies. SJW, the ugly girl who hates men and wears unprescribed glasses at marches. Who cares what women think? SJW, sure, I'll leave my six-year-old girl in a bathroom with a six-foot man in drag. So, again, that's a uh, tran bathroom issue is being associated with this. They're, they're lumping all that together. SJW stands for 72 genders. Snowflakes, again, these are right-wing, you know, kind of dog whistles. Social justice wankers. The Lucasfilm mafia encourages the stifling of free thought. Only white males spend money on toys and merchandise, and yet they isolate them. Meaning uh, Lucasfilm and Disney, I assume. White males are successful, and feminists are jealous. Snowflake Wars, attack of the homophobic cake bakers. Okay, there you go. Now you have a, uh, a gay comment. Something about a Skywalker was a transgender lesbian. I'm so sick of the LGTB crap. Soy Wars. Soy Wars, again, that's another insult. I think that was one of the uh, Ethan-created ones, I'm not entirely sure, when he was mocking, I think, uh, Solo, or maybe it was uh, Geeks and Gamers. I'm not entirely sure which of those two uh, were responsible for that one, which is, again, another insult having to do with people who, I guess, like soy products. You know, it's kind of like calling you, a, you know, a tree-hugging hippie, you know, that, that, kind of a, that kind of a slur, or that kind of an insult. SJW Are the most sexist racist male tears men ex- eject Oh well Okay, uh, th- th- some of these are also very superly explicitly sexual So I can't even get into how sexual they are But uh, you can kind of guess uh, Male tears that are e- into something Fanboys support the second amendment Okay, so now we're bringing guns into the conversation Rush Limbaugh is the man Love Rush. This is when Jason was talking about his love of Rush Limbaugh. Everybody's chiming in. Love Rush. Love me some Rush. El Rusho. This is all Rush supporters. Luke is something and gets impregnated by Vader. Again, really weird, kind of SJW or a disease on society. CNN is gay. Jeremy, crush CNN. They're telling the host to crush CNN. Uh, Some really, really sexually profane things about Kathleen Kennedy being thrown there in that In that chat. Alex Jones comments. Something about Kathleen Kennedy at Celebration being greeted with pitchforks and torches. The fake news slogan gets thrown around. Pablo Hidalgo being called Pablo. And somebody saying Pablo has a wife with a question mark as if they're shocked. Something about uh, guys being pushed out of fandom by fake geek girls. Yeah, there's this whole other thing also. But then this might go back to Comic-Gate. About... Girls that pretend to be fans and they're really not, they're just there to kind of get attention. And I may, I talked about this before, once before with the uh, Attack of the Show. Uh, JJ Abrams being referred to as Juju Abrams. Okay, now we have anti Semitism in the mix. Jar Jar Jew, again, now more anti Semitism. Ray from Force Awakens being referred to as Ray Tarted. Now they're referring to mentally challenged individuals, you know. So this kind of profanity hate mosh pit that is happening while these guys are conducting the interview right next to them with with all their viewers and watchers of the show and they really don't address or really seem to care one bit about what is being said by their followers and this is the type of thing that that kind of incites them to get even crazier whenever a specific topic being talked about comes up they go crazy you know they go All into their, you know, kind of like a fan rage kind of thing. But it is so clearly a politically infused, right-wingy kind of comments. And like I said, they don't say a word. They repeat many, many times that it's the open market. This is how it works. Everybody's thoughts are the same. Everybody's thoughts are equal. They're all entitled to their opinion. And in their world, this kind of language and this kind of just hatred and, and, and intolerance is the norm. So, to kind of analyze what's going on here, I think... And again, I'm going to speculate, but I think what's going on here is that you have a show that was perceived to be a very middle-of-the-road show with Rebel Force Radio. A show that appealed to everybody. Again, similar like how Star Wars appeals to everybody. And attracted people from all ends of the spectrum. But for whatever reason... There have been incidents where they cross the line. And by them crossing the line, you start to see a pattern of, well, they always seem to be crossing the line in one direction. It's not like when they attack somebody or when they say something nasty, it's on opposite sides of uh, of the political fence. They all seem to always fall on the same side. And when you kind of put together about the people they admire... The people you know the the radio talk radio personalities that that jason for example is a, is a big fan of the particular slant that these new shows that he admires that he likes to go on and talk and he's a big fan of, as he admits it on the on the show here, they are all kind of falling on one side of this fence, and the question is that you know what came first the chicken of the egg you know is Jason looking to kind of rebrand his show and make it more like these other shows. He wants to be able to say these things, but he doesn't say them on his show, which is kind of, again, it's kind of weird because these type of things that he was saying, for some reason he had to go to somebody else's show to say them. Is it that he feels that these personal thoughts don't belong at Rebel Force Radio? Or is it that he would like to portray two different characters? One character is my Rebel Force Radio character. Then I have another character that is my Patreon character, character this is a place where i can kind of let my hair down and say these things a little more free in a more friendlier equal-minded environment i don't know is is that what the goal of that was or i can go to these other shows and kind of let it all flow just let it all hang out there i'm going to tell you how it is and these are the people that i can't stand and this is what i can't do and this is and and so this is the place where he gets to really let it flow I don't know if that's a strategy. I don't know if one thing influenced the other. I don't know what came first. You know, it's the chicken or the egg. Did he make some mistakes, him and Jimmy, that cost them their connections? And that because it was kind of like a spiraling thing that couldn't be repaired... You know, it's kind of like, well, you know what? At this point, I don't have the guests. I don't have the support. I don't have the access. Uh, but I do have my listeners. So let's do something with our listeners. We don't have sponsors anymore. Okay, we don't need sponsors. We just have listeners. And the listeners are going to keep us afloat. And the listeners are going to keep it. Now, we are probably going to lose a number of our listeners. Because if we are going to go in that direction. If we are going to move the show in a rightwardly direction. Like a Geeks and Gamers type. And there's a whole bunch of... There's a ton. An absolute ton of people like this out there. But obviously, most of them are small fries like myself. In what I do, these guys are players within the podcasting community. They have thousands of of, of subscribers, and uh, they can kind of wield that power. If they can make money, even better. They can make money out of it. But they can at least wield an influence. What these subscribers and, and people that go on other places do. They can say, listen, this guy is out of control. You guys, I need you guys to put him in his place and let him, give him a piece of my mind, you know, so everybody will go there and start, you know, completely toxifying the guy's uh, uh, website or, uh, or, or, or feed or Twitter or whatever. So maybe that's what's happening now. Maybe they are kind of changing their strategy. I don't think you can operate in a bipolar world in terms of, I don't think you can be one character For the general audience and then be another character for somebody else. Because sooner or later those two will collide. Just like it did with his show. Uh, Sooner or later one bleeds into the other. And then you're like, what just happened? So it's a very interesting dilemma. Now what's currently happening is that on that episode that I mentioned. uh, Where they did not exactly, they didn't necessarily apologize. They explained to the regular audience that there was some controversy going on. They weren't very specific at all. They didn't mention a fraction of the things that he mentioned on this interview, but the whole show was about how the Lucasfilm representatives, Ryan Johnson, and specifically Chuck Wendig, Jimmy, uh, had this whole thing about how Chuck Wendig is uh, insulting the fans, and and they have to rein him in, and how could Disney and uh, Lucasfilm allow him to to say those things in a public uh, space? When you work for Disney, you should be held to a higher standard. And yeah, Chuck Wendig. Now, granted. I wasn't a big fan of him. I didn't really know much about him. I've done some research since. And yo, yikes. This guy was really out there in terms of how he would react and kind of punch back to how people would say things to him on Twitter. He would hit you back 10 times harder. Super profane language and and very political. He's He's way on the left. And obviously, these guys are on the right. And... It kind of fell under these same arguments that we keep hearing over and over, in which somebody says something to you, you say something back even worse, they can come back to you again, and then they say something again. Uh, A lot of Wendig's explanation, if you will, of who exactly is he targeting in these rants and Twitter kind of wars that he's having are the individuals that are the most toxic, the most racist and sexist commenting individuals. You know, like I mentioned earlier, the kind of this kind of stuff that you kind of read on the side while you're trying to listen to this interview. But again, from their perspective, from their point of view, he's attacking everybody. He's just letting everybody have it. So what's happened is uh, Marble uh, has fired Wendig from a couple of Comics that he was in the middle of writing. Plus, I think they also uh, got rid of him from a future book that he was about to write. So, as of now, his basically his career with Marvel has been stopped. It is questionable whether or not this also includes any Lucasfilm deals that he might have had. Uh, maybe writing books or something. I don't know. He doesn't specify. And uh, what he has been told is, apparently, it's not his personal political views, is the fact that he kept airing them publicly, and the language and the rage that he would show in these arguments that he was having, that is what made them decide to pull the plug on him. So... Obviously, the way this, the second this happened, like, within a day or two, all of these websites went completely crazy celebrating. Uh, I think Jimmy even started posting pictures that he's all of a sudden now buying Marvel books again because he had stopped buying Marvel books. Geeks and Gamers and these other websites, shows, podcasts, and celebrating, completely celebrating, taking him apart. This guy, Ethan, who's, again, he's a, he's a big player in this particular brand, this new brand of, uh, you know, right-wing fandom. You know, taking him to to task, going word by word on all his Twitter feeds uh, that were explaining, you know, all these messages he posted about what had happened. And I I have a feeling what's, what's happening here is that Disney Lucasfilm is looking at this toxicity issue as a whole and they're trying to do a little tit for tat, I think. I think what they're doing is they're trying to punish kind of both sides of the fence. They're trying to punish the primarily the people that they do have certain control over who are saying things that are questionable, over-the-line, borderline sexist and that sort of thing. Uh, And that's where the Rebel Force Radio crew falls under. They were punished for what they were saying by Lucasfilm. They got... You know, their access was taken away, their mention of their podcast was taken away, their being allowed to go to celebration and participate was taken away, their guests were taken away, and I don't think directly from Lucasfilm, but some of their critics and ex-fans, I guess, might have participated most likely in their sponsors being taken away. Who knows? Maybe Lucasfilm also had a hand in that. I don't know. So now, tit for tat. Now they have to come after somebody on the other side who's going over the top. And Wendig was definitely a candidate for that sort of thing because, yeah, the man was just – I mean, it's funny because, you know, I I understand his point of view of his anger at the extreme – hatred being thrown in his direction and you can do a number of things when that happens you can take the high road the famous high road you if you remember uh you know uh, when they go low we go high well when you go high you lose sometimes going high doesn't guarantee you anything so wendig is definitely a an individual who decided i'm going to when they go low, I'm going to go lower than them. And they were playing this game of brinkmanship, of how low can we go? And he was, he was punching below the belt left and right. But however, because he is uh, somebody who does represent the brand, he is going to be held to a different standard. If it's a regular fan being hateful and racist and sexist, Disney really doesn't have any pull. Even if it's something like you know geeks and gamers, you know they really don't have any pull with them. They can't do anything about them. They can be as opinionated and over the line and whatever you know as much as possible. But there's nothing really that Disney or Lucasfilm can do about it. In the case of *Raid of Force Radio*, they did have the pull. The pull was to be able to take things away from them that they were enjoying. And when Wendig is a similar situation. You know how you can do with him because he represents that brand. Okay, you went over the top. You might have been right. You might have been, uh, you know, we're not saying you don't have a right to defend yourself. We're not saying you have a right not to express your political opinions. But there is a line that you crossed in the eyes of Marvel or Lucasfilm uh, or whomever that for somebody who works for this company, you can't cross a certain line. and, And you have to forcibly take that high road while somebody is yelling and screaming your name. You have to ignore them. You have to be the better person, unfortunately, if you want to work for this company. And that's kind of how it seems to have been phrased. What's a little unusual is the fact that from what he mentions is that he was never warned directly from Marvel or Lucasfilm about toning it down or he might lose his job. That's something that's a little uncomfortable for me. I mean, I'm sure maybe his friends had told him, hey, dude, you got to you gotta chill out or else something's going to happen. If he did or not, I don't know. And who the hell knows? But... In this particular case, according to him, they never gave him a warning about what they were about to do if he didn't clean up his act. So that's a little troubling. So that's where we are right now. We are in a strange new world where the politics are almost more headline grabbing than the content. I know I'm going to try to get back on topic as far as the content. And I do have a number of uh, content themed shows coming up. As I always do. But this is a heartbreaking kind of story. This is something that, you know, you have certain things in life that you kind of cling on to. And you you have this fantasy that, you know, everybody's kind of marching in the same step. And Star Wars is something that unifies people. And it does for the most part. And for all we know, this might just be something that we're focusing on that I'm focusing on because I choose to focus on it because it's really not that important and because it doesn't really matter we've you know, half these shows I haven't even heard of. You know, I didn't even know these things existed, but they're out there. That's the amazing thing is that you do some research and you're like, oh, my God, there are sides. There are factions out there of shows that are friends with each other. And then there's the other sh- factions that are. F- and every now and then they post stuff about each other. There's one called Making Star Wars. And, he, and they're posting stuff against geeks and gamers and gamers are posting stuff against them. And they're cursing each other out and they're going into each other's feeds and just crashing and, and mashing against each other. The sad thing is that, you know, if we kind of stop and just focus on the Star Wars, there's a lot of things that we have in common and that we enjoy those conversations and are like in complete agreement. You're absolutely right. This character should have done this and that. You know, where do I fall? Well, you guys know where I fall. Politically, I'm on the left. I didn't like The Last Jedi. I am not boycotting, you know, Star Wars because I didn't like The Last Jedi. I have my own problems with it. None of them, I can assure you, are racially or gender or or whatever, I had story structure problems. I can't wait for the next film. I saw Solo. I enjoyed Solo very much. It did get a bum rap, I think, because, again, uh, I, I think primarily it's probably the timing. It came out so soon, and people still had a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth. I'm sure there was some small percentage of people that probably didn't see it out of anger, But it depends on what anger you're talking about. Are these people that are just boycotting a film because of their political views about the film? I mean, that could be. That's a very perfectly uh, reasonable thing in terms of, yes, these people could go that far and extreme in their political views. Or is it people that are just fed up with Star Wars? It's like, "Mm, I don't think so. I don't think you are that fed up with Star Wars. Force Awakens made twice as much money as Last Jedi. Does that tell you anything? I don't know. I think uh, with Star Wars, just like anything else, is diminishing returns. Is, uh, every movie will make a little less than the other one. In the past, that might not have happened, but in this particular age we're in right now, with these movies coming so fast, you know, that pro- that's a problem. You have to make people want these things, but they're, they're just, if they're just spitting them out you know, like, like you're watching a television show, you know, episode one, episode two, episode three, you know, it's a whole different world. So I'm glad that they decided to kind of slow things down a little bit. Maybe it gives everybody time to think and to, to kind of refocus themselves. But these shows again, it's really sad. And I, I like I said, I still have not completely decided what to do. I'm, I'm still listening to everything and I'm still like researching a lot of everything a lot of these things because all of a sudden these other shows are out there and it's so funny, it's so unusual how they have that tone. It's they have that Fox Newsy kind of tone, you know, they they bring in certain guests and it sounds like they it, it looks like they're bringing them just so they can say, well, "See? I don't hate this person. This is exactly what I have here in front of me." And that person will just parrot everything they say. It's like, "Wow, that's really interesting. I'm sure they're not faking it. I'm sure they're real." But they have some really kind of twisted ideas that to me, they, don't, they just don't jibe with Star Wars and, and, and the, uh, the, uh, the spirit of what Star Wars is and what influenced Star Wars and Lucas's intention and backstory and his particular views reflected on the movie. It would be really interesting to know what George thinks of what's going on with all this stuff right now. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. We took an even deeper dive into this subject. Again, trying to get somebody else's point of view, the person that we are most disappointed with, if you will. This particular show that I absolutely love that, you know, gives me this letdown kind of feeling. But, you know, I do appreciate being able to at least... Find a little bit of the point of view of that individual Even though I cannot find any solace in, you know, the type of answers that we got There's a few more questions that, like like I mentioned earlier, I wish we could have gotten To get a clearer perspective, you know, on the reason behind what is happening uh, Specifically to this show I mean, I understand other shows, and they're there We've we talked about them, we've seen them I'll put links to some of them They are there. That's their brand. Their brand is chaos and anger and fury and, you know, rude comments and that kind of stuff. And allowing your listeners to even be just as rude and disgusting as some of the things being said and enjoying it, you know? I don't think that was ever this particular show. I don't think that show was ever that or at least the image they tried to present was never that it was a very inclusive image but for some reason that seems to have little by little scale back vanish i don't want to say vanish but there's little cracks you know on the facade of uh, rebel force radio and when you look through those cracks there's something that is really more in that other camp of show than in the show that i thought we were getting As I mentioned before there were still a couple of questions i wish we would have gotten answered and what i'm going to do is i'm going to try to contact them i'm going to send them a letter and see if they could answer a few more questions having to do with some of these unanswered points you know i'm not gonna hold my breath you know they might not be very happy with the the tone that i've been taking lately uh even though i'm still trying to kind of you know i'm trying to ride the fence you know i seem to be leaning you know in a very not very positive side of the fence then I'm trying to look for reasons to not let go I'm trying to look for reasons as I've explained on the previous episode just like when you have a friend that has flaws or at least we have the perception of flaws and you just don't want to let go you just don't want to cut them loose I mean there are times when you have to cut people loose and I kind of done that a few times for different reasons but when it comes to this sort of thing, you know, I would hate for politics to be the type of thing that would make me cut someone loose. And, you know, when you kind of see that other part of their personality, this this kind of really, let's just call it un-Star Wars-like, you know, the spirit of Star Wars, whatever that is, it is not reflected in this type of attitude that some of these shows seem to relish. They absolutely, re- they, they bathe in it. They love it. It's their bread and butter, not only for programming purposes, but for content and monetary. They're making a living out of this. It pays the bills. Some of these shows are, are so professionally made. You know, they have a staff of a whole bunch of people and you know they got to pay the bills. Uh, so it's, it's a business model in a way. But I don't know if this is the direction that Rebel Force Radio really wants to go. So there is a couple of questions, like I mentioned, that I would love to have answered before I can kind of really, really make up my mind as to what direction I'm going to go with this. And I'm going to read a few of them here to you. This way, if these questions get answered or don't get answered, I will at least let you know in the future what happened, unless there's some other kind of breaking news related to this that I don't know about. There is one more thing. I did want to mention that happened very recently is that just like Rebel Force Radio was removed from the suggested podcasters in StarWars.com, apparently they completely removed just about everybody now. They just, I guess, do not trust what could potentially happen with independent podcasters. I think they only suggested groups that they have left now as like the 501st, uh Steven Sandsfleet and the like the Astromex uh, builders or something like that. Because all of these independent podcasters that did uh, exclusively did Star Wars show. See I don't even I don't even do an exclusively Star Wars show. My mine only hits Star Wars every now and then but they wiped them all out. So it's kind of like the well has been poisoned and now these people cannot play anymore no doubt in my mind it's blowback for what they had to do with rebel force radio so now it's kind of like you know what we got to cut them all loose because we don't know what could happen any one of these shows can completely go off the rails and start attacking us and start attacking other people and provoking and all that kind of thing so i'm not surprised that because of this you know other people are going to suffer now uh, being able to uh, you know have tight connection to a Star Wars entity like Star Wars.com, you know Lucasfilm and you know that sort of thing. Going back to those questions, I would love to have answered. I want to know if Jimmy has done any other shows similar to what Jason did, in order to explain the specific incidents that were never discussed during their explanation show, if you will. Whether he's done uh, another podcast or media or any form of media, print, uh, webs, uh, interview, whatever kind of putting it all on the line there like Jason did. I haven't heard if he's done something like that. With Jason, the number one question that I want answered is if he can explain those comments that he made during those patron clips. We talked about uh, on episode 360, the first one having to do with Rebel Force Radio, the clips having to do with Dr. Afra, women, comic books, you know, all that sort of stuff that was really, really, really rather vile. I really would love to know whether he feels he's being taken out of context and whatever. I don't know. That's the problem. He's never brought it up. They never asked him about it. It was completely overlooked. The other question I would love to know from these guys uh, is why go outside their main show in order to answer some of these questions? Why not address them during the episode? Uh, It is about them. It's not a subject that has nothing to do with them. It's exactly about them and their show. So... Why would you want to kind of Avoid I mean I I have my theories My ideas you know That the strategy they're taking Is to ignore And to move away and to not talk about it And to hope it goes away You know double down with your I'm not apologizing I get that from You know from Jason's uh, statements But is that officially their stance Is the I'm not listening Go away I don't want to answer that question You know that kind of attitude Then the other question, which I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, was that, you know, given the current status of what is happening, what's happened to them lately and what's happening around them, is this a sign that they would like to, you know, would Jason like to change his show to be a little more opinionated, a little more free flowing like Geeks and Gamers? Is that the format he's kind of looking since he admires and likes it? Would he like to change his show more to represent that model? And if he does enjoy that show so much, and because he actually went on that show, he was asked that, you know, wasn't he afraid that by coming to the show, you know, you might turn off some of your audience, you know, by being associated with that show. And he says, no, he's pretty proud. He doesn't agree with everything. I understand, you know, he's trying to be a little... Diplomatic about it, but he is a big fan. He 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 loves that. And and again, you can kind of tell there is a certain Rush Limbaugh-y you know, Sean Hannity, Bill O'Reilly, Glenn Becky kind of vibe going on with that kind of show because that's their that's their model. That's the model that they seem to be trying to imitate. And given the fact that Jason is a big fan of Rush Limbaugh, as he's said many, many times, you know, is he now inching towards that? Is that the kind of audience he would like to attract now? You know, if he did lose some audience members, I don't know how many people he lost because of all these events, is it part of a strategy to court that particular demographic of audience to kind of supplement the numbers that he lost or just to kind of build up his, you know, his numbers period, you know, does he want that kind of audience? You know, those are some of the questions, like I said, that I would love to see if they would answer. And if they do, or even if they don't, like I said earlier, you know, I'll try to let you guys know what the outcome of this whole thing is, because I think we've kind of explored this as as deep as we can, you know, without them actually going on the air and explaining themselves, which they really have not to this point. So on behalf of everybody here, thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon here at Fest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. American politics has always been behind these films. People have read in, from the very beginning, they read in the relationship between the US and the Soviet Union, Watergate. Now, in this episode, without quite being Michael Moore, it is very political. There are references to have we become what we feared. There are references to the State of the Republic. H- how intentional was that for you?
1: Well, uh, the story, the political backstory was written 30 years ago. It was written during the Vietnam War and in the Richard Nixon era. I didn't want to do a movie about how people take over democracy. I wanted to figure out how democracies give themselves over to tyrants. And uh, you know, like after the Roman Senate killed Caesar, why did they turn the whole thing over to his nephew? You know, Here's an interesting thing about democracy is if you don't treat it well, if you don't do your job especially if you're a representative in the Senate or the Parliament or whatever um, you know, the whole thing can go awry because if you're always bickering and not agreeing on things and doing the people's work who elected you a tyrant will come in and take over and do it for you because the people want to get the job done and they will tend to go where the the, the person that's got the most leadership is.
0: If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at GeekFest Rants.
1: I don't
0: know what we're yelling about! GeekFest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, Copyright 2018. (laughs) This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit iCrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia-related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long.